As we enter into this Christmas season, I am uh, going to begin a series of messages, a series of messages concerning learning how we're to celebrate Christmas. And uh, what we're going to do for the next several weeks, we're just going to take the second chapter of the book of Luke and just go through that particular chapter and to discover some wonderful, wonderful truths concerning how we're to celebrate Christmas. As I said earlier, I don't know of a time that I get more excited or uh, more, I, I guess the word excitement is the best word I can say, is when we come to Christmas. I love giving gifts, and I love receiving gifts. And uh, it's always a good time to be able to share. Well, take your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 2. That very famous chapter, a chapter that describes in detail of the birth of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to read the first 18 verses this morning, and we're going to divide this up for the next several weeks, as I, as I mentioned to you earlier, for the next couple of weeks. So with your Bibles open, would you stand with me in reverence of reading God's Word? Second chapter of the book of, of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and listen as we read. These wonderful, wonderful words. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Father, what a wonderful, wonderful occasion of being able to read and to discover wonderful truths about the birth of our Lord and Savior. Knowing that this was not his beginning, he's the omnipotent, the omnipresent, the omniscient God. And we're so grateful to know that this was the event that you allowed and purposed in your heart for him to come to become the Savior of the world. Help us, dear Lord, to understand Christmas and celebrate it in a fashion like we have never before. May this year will be a year beyond other years in celebration of the birth of our Savior. May you anoint us, fill us, With your Holy Spirit is our prayer today. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you. May be seated. Christmas. Just the mentioning that word brings excitement to every child of God. To know that God has come in the form of man. And that he came and was born of a virgin. Lived a life of almost 33 years. And there he died upon a cross for the sins of mankind. And buried. And upon that third day he arose. And as he arose he came forth victorious with the keys of victory over death, over the grave, over hell. And ascended back into the heavens and sitting upon the right hand of the Father and there making intercession on our behalf every moment. If that doesn't excite you, there's something wrong with you, my friend. If that doesn't excite you 
to know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that you would not perish and I would not perish, but that we would have everlasting life. What a thought, what a truth that we have to hold here today. Christmas was first celebrated in the year 98. It was 40 years later that it was officially adopted as being the Christmas festival and the Christmas date that we know of today. It was not until five years later that that date became permanent which we recognize today as being Christmas. Beforehand, it, no one really knew the exact date that the Lord Jesus Christ was born. And so they were celebrating on various occasions. They were celebrating sometimes in January, sometimes in December, Sometimes in May or even in June. But five years after that particular day of the year of 96, that there Jesus Christ was earmarked upon our calendars as the birthday of the Lord Jesus Christ. As I began to do my study in Uh, for this particular message. I I was thinking, how does other people celebrate Christmas around the world? I found out that uh, for many years there in France, that they would put their shoes in front of the fireplace and Father Christmas would come and bring toys and gifts and place them in those shoes. There in Spain, for many years after the Mass on Christmas Eve, that people would celebrate, and they would literally parade through the streets celebrating Christmas. In Italy, that many times mothers would take figurines of the Lord Jesus Christ, and there they would place that figurine in a manger, and the families would celebrate Christmas. Denmark, Norway, and as well as in Sweden, Christmas dinner always included rice pudding, and they would put an almond in that rice pudding, and the one that would receive or would get the all almond that there they were recognized as one of great luck and going to have great luck for the coming year. There in Australia, New Zealand, that their December was in their summer months and the people would go to the beaches celebrating Christmas. So there's a lot of celebration But I'm afraid that a lot of people don't know what they're celebrating. They're celebrating a festival. 
And I'm afraid that we as believers, if we're not careful, we're getting to the hustle and bustle of Christmas and fail to recognize what we're celebrating. What I want us to do, I want us to go back into the scriptures. And I want us to take some characters in the scriptures and to see how they celebrated the first Christmas and to see, by example, how we too can celebrate. There's three different characters that I want you to notice here today as we look at this passage of Scripture, of watching them and listening to them and admiring them of how they were celebrating Christmas. First of all, the shepherds. Ah, what a beautiful, beautiful picture. Now, the Bible reminds us of the message that they received. Here the Bible says in verse 8, now they were there in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now you must understand these were not ordinary shepherds. These were not ordinary sheep. But these were special shepherds and special sheep. For these shepherds were tending to the flocks of those sheep and those lambs that were going to the temple to be slaughtered and to be sacrificed there upon the altar. And so these sheep had to be special for they were without blemish as an example of the great, great lamb that was which was yet to come. And of course, I'm reminded of what John the Baptist said as he saw Jesus Christ coming afar off. And he says, Behold, the Lamb of God has come to take away the sins of the world. So, it doesn't surprise me that the angels chose these shepherds to be recipients of the message from them. Listen what the Bible says in verse 10. It says in verse 10, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A message of good tidings, the Bible said. A message of great joy. A message that a Savior was to be born. A Savior which means a Redeemer. One that has come to redeem mankind from the sins of the world. I was reading in a book not too long ago about Robert Stevenson. Robert Stevenson was a Scottish engineer. He was a revolutionist. He was the grandfather of Robert Louis Stevenson. And back in 1772, there 
was one year, 100 years after he was born. They had come and they were celebrating his particular birth. And as he had helped revolutionize industrial society. As the people had gathered there for the parade, there was a couple of uh, peasants and they had a little sign that said, he was one of us. Well, my friend, I'm here to tell you, when Jesus Christ came into this world, he came as one of us. He came to take upon the humanity of mankind. That's why it's so important to understand the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. That it was not contaminated by the seed of man, but this was the seed of the Holy Spirit. And that through the Spirit of God, she, Mary, conceived to have a child. And that child came to be able to identify with us. He was one of us. The Bible says that he was tempted in all manner as we. The Bible reminds us that he became thirsty and he became hungry. The Bible reminds us that he was tempted in all points as we have been tempted in, but yet never sinned. He became one of us. Oh, my friend, how I rejoice as the angels, when they received this message, that they recognized, here is a Redeemer. Here is the Savior. But not only do you notice the message that was received, but notice how they reported that message. The Bible says in verse 15, So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning This child. Look what happened. Once they received the message, they wanted to go and to see this child. And once they saw this child, they wanted to go and to share the message. That's what a wonderful way to celebrate Christmas. Is sharing the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Telling others what we have experienced. It was a special year when Jesus was born. I think of the year of 1809. On the international scene, it was a chaotic scene. For Napoleon had just invaded Austria. Blood was being spilled all over the streets of the lives of the people 
that Napoleon had come in contact with. Little did the world realize that year of the importance of that year. It's amazing when you go back and you begin to check and to begin to see of the number of people that were born that year. William Gladstone, that great English statesman, was born 1809. Alfred Lord Tennyson, the one that literally affected the literary world like no other writer affected, was born that year. There, of course, on the American continent, Oliver Wendell Holmes was born in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Same year. In Boston, Edgar Allan Poe was born that year. Same year, Charles Robert Darren was born that year. Same year, 1809, in Harding, Kentucky, was Abraham Lincoln born that year. I'm sure if the news reporters could have announced, they would have announced that that year was literally shaped by the invasion of Napoleon. But history would say, no, really it was by the cradles in the American continent and England that shaped history. My friend, I'm here to tell you, many years ago, on a very special day, there was a little baby born in a cradle, born to a man and a woman by the name of Mary and Joseph. And by the birth of that child shaped the world that we have here today. Oh, praise the Lord. Let me say to every single one of us that who are saved, that who have been born into the family of God, that who knows this Christ, don't allow Christmas. Go without you sharing the Christ that we have today. Don't allow yourself to get so busy that you fail to share that Christ is the Savior. He is the Lord. But there's another group that I want us to to see. And I want us to notice for a few moments not only how the shepherds celebrated Christmas, but I want you to see how the scholars celebrated Christmas. I'm talking, of course, about the Magi, the wise men, the scholars of that particular day. No doubt they probably came from Persia or Arabia. They were ones that studied the stars. And we find them celebrating Christmas in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. It says, and when they had come into the house, 
They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, we don't know exactly when these wise men came and they worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, it was not the moment of his birth. It was later on in his life as a young child. We do not know how many magi, scholars, wise men they are. We assume that they were three, but they always traveled in a caravan. Possibly they could have been many, but we assume that they are three. Because of the three gifts. Our assumptions probably are wrong. But that doesn't really matter. What really matters is, is the way that they celebrated the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice with me of how they approached the Lord Jesus. These wise men, the Bible says that they came into the house of this young child the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, once they saw him, they fell and they worshiped him. Falling gives us an indication that they're prostrating themselves. It's as if you're coming to the altar and what do you do? You kneel. You fall to your knees. It's a symbol of Humbleness. It's a symbol of recognizing the reverence that of the presence of the God that you're serving today. Oh, look at him. Not just an ordinary child, but oh, my friend, he is the Christ child. Overwhelmed, I believe. Overwhelmed when they saw this child and immediately they recognized that he was a savior. The Bible says that they knelt to worship him. I think that's interesting of the way that they came and the very first thing that they did, they worshiped. Worship literally means to kiss. It's like a dog licking his master's hand, recognizing the authority of that one. Oh, my friend, when you come into this Christmas season, I want you to understand, do not fail to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't get so caught up in your parties and in your singing, and in exchanging of gifts, and expression of love, all those things are good and they're important. But my friend, the most important thing is worship. Worshiping Him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all that you are. These wise men recognize the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
But I want you to notice not only how they approached Jesus, but I want you to notice also how they acknowledged Jesus. We're familiar with this as we have studied the Christmas story before. The Bible says that they bought Christmas gifts. They brought a gift. Isn't that amazing? That worship is a part of giving. Giving is a part of worshiping. Don't fail to realize this. You say, well, Pastor, you're telling me that I am to give to the Lord Jesus Christ during Christmas? Absolutely. There's no greater way to give than to our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. To know that as you're giving a gift, that that gift is going to be used to share the good news of the gospel. What an opportunity. You and I may not be able to go around the four corners of the earth, but my friend, we've got missionaries that are begging for people to support them and to encourage them and to give them funds that they might be able to share with a lost and dying world. What an opportunity to worship. What kind of gifts did they bring? The Bible says that they brought gold. Gold? If you would take a brick of gold, in our day and time, it would probably be worth about $325,000. There, it would be worth more than that. A gift of gold. And then the Bible says they brought a gift of frankincense. Frankincense? Why would you bring a gift of frankincense? See, a gold was a gift for a king. Frankincense was something that the high priest would use. It was a gift recognizing the high priest. And then the Bible says they brought myrrh. Myrrh was embalming fluids that would come and embalm a body that once it dies. Oh, do you not see what they were saying through their gifts? As they bring that gold, we're recognizing you're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. When they come and they bring that frankincense, they're saying, we recognize you are the great high priest. When they come and they present that myrrh, they recognize you are the savior of the world, king of kings the high priest, and the Lord of lords, the Savior. Oh, my friend, don't forget who he is. Don't forget what he has done during this Christmas season. So we've looked at the shepherds. We've looked at the scholars. But I want you to notice the saints. Oh, looky here. We, in Luke chapter 2, we meet two 
special saints. A man by the name of Ananias. I mean, excuse me, of Simeon. Excuse me. Luke chapter 2, verse 25, it says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout. Now notice those words. He was just. Literally means that he was a man of dedication. The Bible says he was devout. He was a man of consecration. And then the Bible says, waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was a man of expectation. He was waiting, waiting. What was he waiting for? Well, the Bible tells us. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. He would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He had been told, you will not die until you see the Savior. The salvation of the Lord. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 27, it says, So it came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon saw the Christ child and he took him in his arms and the Bible says that he blessed that child and he thanked God for his salvation. I can almost imagine like many mornings he would get up and would think, I wonder if today is the day. If today is the day that I will see him. Today is the day I wonder if I will see the Lord of salvation. And then the Holy Spirit led him into the temple on this particular day. And he said, today is the day. Oh, my friend, I think about the Christ that he saw one of these days the Christ is coming again. And I wonder if it could be today that we would see our Redeemer, our Savior, our King, our Lord, our Master coming into the sky and gathering his bride into his arms. What a glorious, glorious day. That would be. 
Dr. J. Wilbur Chapman tells this story. He had led this mathematician, this professor, to the Lord. This professor had been a wicked man for many years, but he was gloriously saved. On this particular day, this guy was sitting under Dr. Chapman's teaching in Sunday school. And Dr. Chapman was talking about that God has cast our sins as far from the east to the west. And he looked down to that professor and he says, can you calculate how far that might be? Immediately he pulls out his pencil and he pulls out his pad and he begins to write and then he stopped. And he looks at Dr. Chapman and he said, Wow, you can't measure that. That's immeasurable. Why? You mean to tell me he has taken my sins and cast it so far that I cannot even measure it? Oh, my. Simeon, when he looked at this child, he recognized this was one that was going to wash and cleanse and bring salvation and there take the sins of mankind and cast it as far as from the east to the west. Oh, be a Simeon. Expect that the Christ may come again today. Expect that it could be during this Christmas season. Expect it could be this coming year and your eyes will behold the salvation that he presents. And then, of course, not only do you see the appreciation of Simeon, but the affection of Anna. What a beautiful saint of woman she was. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 36 and following, and there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. She was also there in the temple. And she saw the Christ child. And immediately, you notice her affection. A love that she had for him like no other. A love that she had prayed and dreamed and looked for to be able to see one day. A love. Oh, there's not a greater time, a greater moment 
than to fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. What a tragedy it was when Jesus was writing to the seven churches in one of those churches. He said to one of them, you've left your first love. Oh, may that not be said of us. May that not be said of us that we have left that first love. The love that we experience when we come to know him as our savior that that love has grown cold oh may that love be rekindled may that love be more affectionate today than it's ever been how are you going to celebrate christmas this year that's the question will you be like the shepherds You've heard, and now you go and tell. Will you be like the scholars? Oh, we come and we bring our gifts to him. And we come and recognize who he is. Will you be like the saints? Simeon? Oh, seeing the Lord of his salvation like Anna, that affection of love. I ask you today, would you be willing to renew that relationship with him today? That you will make Christmas the greatest Christmas that you've ever experienced because of the way that you're going to worship him in the days to come.